when it comes uh, uh, to serving the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So now I know this has a one on it, but I want to do this on purpose. I'm waving, if you will, the yellow flag. There's some things we need to take caution on. And I think there's some things that are taking place in Christendom right now that I think we just need to take a moment. We need to think through it and wave the yellow flag and call attention to some of these things. You say, well, what are you referring to? I'm referring to what's taking place in our country and what Christians are willing to do to try and change what's taking place in the country. Now you say, well, what do you mean by that? Multiple people, a lot of people, uh, people from in our, our church and outside the church have sent me a, a particular rally that's going to be taking place in the next week if I have it right. And here's what I want to warn us about. There are, and I'm all for it, I'm all for fighting the good fight when it comes to our country. And I'm very, very active, if you will, uh, defending our country, working for our country, if you will. I was in, many of you know, I was in law enforcement for 32 years as well as preaching. I worked with politicians day and night for 15 years. I served under a politician for several years. So I know the score when it comes to politics, American politics and looking at it from a Christian perspective. There are certain individuals who have very, very deep pockets in it that are Christians and want to see America go in the right direction, and I'm 100% for that. The issue that I'm finding out now is, and that we're seeing spread up, and this is where I raise the yellow caution flag, is who are we willing to link up with and put the name Christian on it? And I'm not going to name names because I don't feel that would be appropriate because I know the, the hearts are right in where these individuals are going. But what really disturbed me this week is when one of the individuals that uh, will be speaking at this particular conference has a tremendous support from the Christian community. That individual sends out Twitters on a constant basis, and in the last two days, in the Twitters, put out language that absolutely you wouldn't speak in church, nor would most of you speak ever, and also in your workplaces and living as God's people, you wouldn't associate yourselves with. I wrote the individual who is part of the group that's putting together this particular rally, a person that I had told years ago to be very cautious about this particular situation, and I called him on it. You say, well, why would you do that? They're trying to do the right thing. They're Christians. They're trying to move the country in the right direction, and Christians have to do whatever Christians have to... Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, yes, we have human bodies. This is flesh. We have to, we, this is what we work with. For though we walk in the flesh, we Christians do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Folks, you say, are you waving the yellow flag tonight? Yes, I've got to raise the yellow flag, and I'm about ready to pull up the red flag because we cannot compromise our Christian values. Can't do it. You say, well, when you're working with secular groups and when you're working with politicians and when you're working with a, a, a political campaign and things, things are going to come in that are secular. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm all for doing what you can from a a strong Christian standpoint, but we cannot bend our morals. We cannot 
bend our ethics. We cannot bring in individuals who claim to be Christians, but obviously by their speech and their works are denying who Christ is. It's a warning. So you say, Brother Rich, you seem a little passionate about this. I'm very passionate about it. When I literally write a leader involved in these things and say, listen, brother, this is not how we fight our war. By the way, may I state this? Government never changed one heart. Only God can do that. And if we do not use spiritual weapons, and if we embrace those who claim to be Christians, but obviously by their works deny him. We preached on James. I preached uh, months on the book of James. Faith without works is what, folks? It's dead. And if our works deny our faith, then there's a problem. So I'm... uh, I'm like, should I really do this? Do I really want to go public and put this out there and folks that are watching on Facebook and the very people I'm talking about very well could be watching me tonight? Well, let's do it the right way, folks. If we're going to fight a Christian war, even if it's in the secular field, let's do it with the weapons that God called us to do it with. Watch our mouths, watch our rhetoric, and do it God's way, not man's way. Can I get an amen? All right, at least we got some folks on it. That's good. (laughs) All right, I'm off my hobby horse, but uh, I'm passionate about it. Do not fight God's war with carnal weapons. It's just, it's not going to work. All right, how about we go to the Bible and do some prophecy? Look look at a little bit of Revelation chapter 3 tonight. Now, for the last uh, uh, six, seven weeks, we've been going through Revelation chapter uh, uh, 3, 2 and 3, looking at the churches that existed during the first century. So once again, we're looking at the Word of God and we're going to peel God's prophetic Word one passage at a time. We've been talking about the apocalyptic absolutes. Basically, what does that mean? Apocalyptic, the book of Revelation. Okay, so a little review, and most of you have been here most of these messages. The word apocalypsis is the Greek word for what word in English? Come on. Okay, unveiling, what's the book in the Bible that it actually translates this? The book of Revelation, that's the book we're in, hint. <laughs> All right, apocalypsis, uh, the unveiling, a disclosure, a revealing of things to come. So we're looking at those things that God revealed to the Apostle John, and these are absolutes. These are not maybes, these are absolute things that God said he is going to do. When we look at this, we want to look tonight in every... Oh, Tony, uh, I don't know if we did that yet. If you still have those handouts, is there... I'm sorry? They're out. Okay, so hopefully everybody got uh, one of the handouts. Did anybody not get one, just in case we missed anybody? All good? All right. So you have the basic handout tonight of the seven churches. And, of course, we're not doing Laodicea tonight. We're going to do that full-blown Sunday morning looking at the church that was neither hot nor cold. So we're going to look at these churches tonight, and as we do it, and you say, well, why are you doing it this way tonight? Because it's anniversary Sunday. And we've been looking at what do we want Union Grove Baptist Church to be? How do we want it to respond to things? And that's why we started out with 2 Corinthians chapter 10. God's people cannot do things in a carnal methodology. We've got to use God's methodology. By the way, I don't know why you're pushing me to do this, but you did. (laughs) Who puts people in power in in the government? Give me a a passage. How about Romans chapter 10, where God makes it very clear he puts people into power. Now you say, well, I don't like what God did this time. (laughs) Right? Sometimes it's like, wow. No, we got to do better. Folks, Here's the, the thing. How does God get work done? Who does he use? He uses people to get his work done. So you say, well, are you against? And don't misread what I said earlier. I'm worried about some of the individuals that we're linking up with that are calling themselves Christians, but by their mouths and their actions are denying it. I can't link up with that. Don't pretend to be a Christian and ask me to link up with you, and I'm not going to do it. I'll I'll actually help you if you're honest and say, yeah, I don't really buy into the Christian methodology, but uh, I want to see our country go in the right direction. God bless you. I'll talk. See the difference? Major difference. 
So what are we looking at? Commendation or condemnation? How does God look at these six churches in the book of Revelation? Well, we go back to our basic item, our, our, our outline. Revelation chapter 1 is the outline for the book of Revelation. And in chapter 1 and verse 19, again as a review, it says, Write the things, Apostle John, which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. That's God's outline for the whole book of Revelation. Chapter 1 is basically what Paul, or what Apostle John had seen. He writes it down. Chapters 2 and 3 were things that were taking place in the church at that time. So the letters to the seven churches in Asia, they were literally seven churches in Asia. By the way, where's Asia at today? It's modern day what? Turkey. Turkey, very good. All right. You get a, an extra turkey wing on Thanksgiving. All right. So what else do we know? We know that from Scripture, the earth was created approximately 4,000 B.C. We pounded this and pounded this and pounded this. Why? Because the earth was, was uh, formed in approximately 4,000 B.C. Many of you have been praying uh, uh, the last few hours, literally. My granddaughter, Naomi, slipped in her, at her home. Uh, she's just an eighth grade grad. She just graduated across the street here. And uh, she slipped on some water in the home, fell down, and broke her elbow. And uh, her and her mom, and of course uh, Richard and the other other children, and uh, Tabitha. You know, most of you know Richard Trusham. Many of you have been in both of their Bible studies here at the church. And uh, as as would have it, mom, and for the first time ever, her eighth grade little graduate. She's going to take her to the ark in uh, the Creation Museum today. And she falls and breaks her elbow late last night. So about 10.30, they find out it was a nice clean break. And if you've been watching on Facebook, Valerie and Tabitha keep everybody up to speed. And uh, it's like, well, you guys going to go? And they're like, we wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. Want to be with mom. Want to go to the, want to see the, the Ark and the Creation Museum again. And uh, uh, I bring that up, why? Because the, uh, the Creation Museum and uh, those that, and many of you know, Ken Ham are fighting, 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 trying to get the public schools and others uh, that go to them to understand that in six literal days, God created everything that is and ever will be. And you say, and, and for those that haven't been coming on, on all the Sunday nights, you say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says it. You say, well, where does it say that? I've read Genesis back and forth and upside down. It never says in six literal days. And I say, well, you've got to go one more book. Go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11 where it literally says in six days God created everything. Exodus chapter 20 verse 11. Yes, Genesis points it out. It points out the six days and then God, and then there's people, well, there's a gap theory and there's the theistic evolution theory and there's evolution. And God says, no, 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 no. No, go to Exodus chapter 20 verse 11. It's six literal days. Now that wasn't even part of the message. Bottom line is, God made it very clear that in six days he created the heavens and the earth. We have Genesis 5 and 11 because the genealogies are there and they go literally by the year pointing back to, it comes out to 3,900 and I forget the odd numbers. You say, oh, wait a minute, you're saying 4,000 years. All right, a little bit of review. The problem with the genealogies, the one minor problem with the genealogies is it gives the year but does it give the month the answer is you only got two choices yes or no <laughs> does it give the month no it gives the year only all right so there's going to be some if you will wiggle room at why there's we say approximately 4,000 years because we don't know the exact month that these individuals were born so you got some wiggle room Bottom line, 4,000 B.C., God creates the heaven and the earth and everything in it. 4,000 years later, an individual named Jesus Christ, God's Son, comes down from heaven, goes to the cross, and dies for our sins. Then we have the church age that begins, and we go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and God sends these letters to these seven churches. So what we're going to do very, in a very summary form is remind ourselves of exactly what God encouraged each church to do and not to do. 
There's two churches that, and if you look on your chart, you'll find two churches that did not receive one negative statement. And that's amazing. And I, I really, you know, I, I pray that if God gave us a report card today that there'd be no zeros on it, that they'd all be uh, A's and maybe a B-plus in there once in a while to keep us humble, <laughs> but uh, that we're a church that exemplifies what God wants us to do. So very quickly, we're going to review these six churches and pull out, if you will, the things that match up with 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, that indeed we too might fight the good fight of faith and walk as we should with the Lord. Father, I pray now that as we open up this precious book, the wonderful, wonderful book of Revelation, where you've disclosed things, where you've unveiled things, where you've made it very clear about things to come, but you also took some time in chapters 2 and 3 to tell us about things that are. So, Father, I pray as we uh, go and review these six churches in preparation for next Sunday, that, Lord, you'd move in our hearts, that those things that you said no to, that we'd say no to. To those things that you said yes to, that we indeed would say yes as well. So, Father, as always, every single time we open up your precious book, we ask that you do what only you can do. Please revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write. So this is one of the seven churches. So as we skip, we're not going to go verse by verse. We're going to skip to the specific pieces tonight. And the Apostle John, uh, Jesus is telling John, write this down, chapter 2, verse 2, to the church at Ephesus. He says, listen, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you cannot bear those who are evil. This is good stuff. He's saying, I like this about you. It's, it's good. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are what? Say, Brother Rich, how does that fit into your little tirade that you threw a few minutes ago? Do you get it now? Beware of false teachers. Beware of those who put on the sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's what he's saying. You vetted it out, you checked it out, you figured it out, and I applaud you for it. You found those who said they're apostles and are not, and have found them what? Found them what? Liars. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Turn to it, please. We've talked about this verse many a time. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. It's a horrible, scathing verse that God put in the scriptures to get people's attention. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, and I have this is one I've got highlighted in red in my Bible. But the cowardly and unbelieving, he's talking about those that basically deny Christ, refuse to live for him. They're cowardly, they're unbelieving, they're abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. You say, whoa, this is a nasty list of sins. I agree, it's a horrible nasty list. But now he changes to something that whacks probably every single one of us in this room tonight. He goes through all these things. We're like, yeah, that's right. You get on the cowardly. You get on the unbelieving. You get on the abominable. You get on murderers. You get on the sexually immoral. You get on sorcerers or idolaters. And he said, hang on, I got one more. And all what? Liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Apostle John says, I, I know your works, your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested them. You found out who are what? Liars. God holds liars accountable for their lying. The deception. Matthew chapter 24, when you read through the entire chapter looking during the tribulation time, you know what the Lord Jesus keeps harping, if you will, pushing absolutely making an issue out of it. He says, beware of deceivers. 
Beware of the false teachers. Beware of those who come and say they're Jesus Christ, but actually they are the devil incarnate. You say, uh, I think I get it. You don't like deceivers. I don't like them because you know who else doesn't like them? God. You see, what is ruining, you want to talk about what's ruining America? You want to talk about what's ruining churches? You want to talk about what's ruining communities? It's when people who appear suck people in to do things that sound right, but the motive is 100% in a different direction. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here. Got your attention now, right? What in the world's going on in America today with COVID? All right, I'm going to go there. Valerie says no. I should listen to my wife, but I'm going to disobey her. Yesterday, not a month ago, not two months ago, yesterday, there was a small group of conservative politicians. Again, not a Christian group, it's conservative politicians, so I give them a lot more leeway than if it's a group that's claiming to be Christian. A particular senator who every one of you would know was there. And it's public record, so I will, and there's nothing negative he did, by the way. Senator Ron Johnson was at this, this gathering. The question was asked about what is taking place with the vaccine, what's taking place across America with this absolutely inordinate push for everyone to get vaccinated right now. Now, folks, first of all, let me make it very clear. I'm not a doctor. I am not making a medical decision. I am not telling you what to do. But I'm going to tell you what a senator said. Why is all these things being pushed right now? And here is his answer, quote, unquote. It is creepy. That's from the senator. That's, you, you talk about saying something in a weird dialect. This is an important businessman. He's a senator in, in Washington, and he used the word, this is creepy. Now, folks, that should get your attention. Just think about that. It's creepy. Again, I am not telling you what to do from a medical situation, but I'm telling you, you better think. And you better go to somebody if you're considering doing anything with any vaccines. If you've not already done them, I would highly recommend you check this out with your doctor forwards, backwards, and upside down. Because when a senator in government who openly states in the public, it is creepy, I guess it's creepy. <laughs> Get your attention? Getting quiet. I think I got your attention. The Apostle John says, And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. He's saying, listen, church, <laughs> you've done some things good. And he gives us the list. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know you reject evil. I know you test those who say they're uh, uh, my people but and found those who are true and found those who are liars. You persevered. You've had patience. You've not become weary. God bless you, church. Uh-oh, hang on. Sandwich effect. But here's a problem. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, he says to the church at Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. All these things look good. Unigirl Baptist Church, you've been pushing hard. You've been working hard. You've been producing some great things. But you love Jesus today more than you did last year. Is Jesus more important to you today than it was back in June of 2020? And God looks at us and he says, man, you've done great. Your works are good. You're moving in the right direction. God bless you. You're pointing out things that are bad. You're pointing out things that are good. You're centering on the gospel. That's great. But do you really love Jesus? And what does he say? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, else I will come to you quickly, and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. 
In other words, you need to turn back, make sure you're headed in the right direction, make sure our focus is on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Folks, the only one that can build His church is the Lord Jesus. I can't do it. You can't do it. Now, God uses us. Praise the Lord for that, 2 Corinthians 5. God uses you and your giftedness to build his church, but it's the Holy Spirit that has to really do the work in folks because we can't do it. Repent, he says. Go back to the first works. We talked about this about six weeks ago. When you fall in love with somebody, you do special things for them. You give them flowers. You give them candy. You write love notes. You, 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 you drool when they walk in the room. Your, your heart starts palpitating. It's so exciting. And God says, after you get married, what happens? Yeah, okay. Good to see you. Yeah, okay. You got dinner ready today. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, did you go, how how does it work? Yeah, whatever. And uh, and we move on. And it's like all of a sudden. And we wonder why we get in trouble. And we wonder why the, the fire goes out. We wonder why the passion goes out. And God says, would you please return back to what you did when you first fell in love? Go back to it. You say, I can't go back to that. That was X amount of years ago. It's not going to make, I guarantee you, you goo-goo over your wife, she's going to goo-goo back. Your wife, you Google over, Google over your husband, he's going to Google back. You say, why? Do you know who we like to be around? Who do you like to be around? You like to be around people that are always yelling at you and being disrespectful and negative? You say, well, yeah, that's why I didn't appreciate your 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse. <laughs> you don't like it. I don't like it either, by the way. That's a warning. We've got to keep the warnings out there, but I don't like going to the negative. I want to be positive. I want us to go back to who Jesus is, who God is, our Savior, our first love. Remember those things which we did when we first fell in love with Jesus. Remember when you fell in love with the Bible and you opened it up and you couldn't stop reading. You, you remember back when you, you, you couldn't stay away from a Bible study. Remember when you'd uh, turn on the Christian radio and you'd listen to Christian music until you uh, passed out and went to sleep. And and remember those things uh, I used to tell folks about Jesus until too many of them reject him. And he says, well, you go tell him again. And you just keep moving forward. Go back to those first things you did when you fell in love with Jesus. And don't forget him. What else do we find out? 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. The church at Ephesus, they were in an ungodly, horrible urban center, huge place, paganism all around them. And they were suffering and they were going through tough times and people were giving them hard times. And God says, listen, if you, if you love me, you're going you're gonna to suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters, ah, here it is again. You say, Brother Rich, you just seem to be not going to let this go, are you? No, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, Christian, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Revelation chapter 2, what's the charge? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. To him who overcome, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Folks, here's a, here's a good prophecy piece right here. You know that someday we're going to be living for eternity with the Lord Jesus, those of us that have trusted him as Savior. And there's going to be a tree called the tree of life. And on that tree, we're going to be eating whatever it is that God grows on it. And I'm like, praise the Lord, we still get to eat in, eat in eternity. I like that. And uh, I hope I don't look like this when I'm, in, when I'm in eternity. I want to look a little bit more. Okay, anyway. <laughs> What is he saying? Listen to the Lord. Overcome the obstacles through the Lord. And there's eternal benefits for following the Lord. Now, that's not why we trust Christ. It's not why we love him, even though there are these wonderful benefits. How about the synagogue of Satan that was in Smyrna? By the way, Smyrna was one of the two churches that got no negative grades. They didn't get one F on the report card. And the angel of the church in Smyrna write, these things says, talking about Jesus, the first and the last, who was dead and came 
to life. Here's a couple of things about the church in Smyrna. Smyrna's loyalty, which was another giant urban city at the time, was loyal to Rome. You say, well, Rome was kind of a corrupt government, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Smyrna dedicated a particular temple. By the way, is a temple a religious piece? Say yes. It is. They build a temple in the city, not to God, not to Jesus, not even to some false god. They put the emperor on the throne as a god. Emperor worship. Smyrna was home to pagan temples of multiple false gods. Sibyl, Zeus, Apollo, Asclepius, that's a good one, Aphrodite, a horrible place, if you will. What does God say? Listen, uh, and of course, these we won't spend time on the map today, but Smyrna, along with all the other six churches in that particular area, what does he say to the church? He says, I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty, but you are rich. Wow. What is he saying here? He's saying, well done, church. He say, I, I know what you've been going through. I know how hard it's been. And some of you have gone through some horrible, tough times. He says, I know your works, though. <laughs> you're sticking with it. You're going in the right direction. I, I, I know because you're in this horrible, urban, ungodly center that you've been going through horrible tribulation. You've been crushed. You've been pressed. You've been pushed hard because you make a stand for the Lord Jesus. And I know what you're going through. I understand the tribulation that you're facing. And he says, I know you're in poverty. Folks, this church was so poor. The concept here, and we went through this a few weeks ago, these people had nothing. And you know why they had nothing? Because they lost everything for their faith in Christ. They couldn't get a job. How do you get money if you don't have a job? You take a stand for the Lord Jesus, and they throw you out of the job. By the way, I had a lady today talk to me. Today, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, today. And the workplace is looking at making a mandatory restriction via the government that said if you don't take a particular shot, you're done at work. Does that got your attention? You know, that could happen to any single one of you in any one of your jobs. You know what I said? Well, too bad, so sad, you got to deal with it. And that's not what I said. I said, you know, there's a group called uh, the Christian Legal Association. I said, if this happens, let's go to war. We'll get a hold of the Christian Legal Foundation. We'll push your case into the courts. And maybe we'll make it into a class action suit. Because when the, and I'm all for supporting the government, but when you cross the line, got to do what only we can do. You say, well, we'll take up, what are you, you going to do? Take up arms and go fight them with machine guns? No, you, that's not going to work, right? The only hope you have is that God will honor the, or that God will push the legal system to do the right thing. But folks, look at this. Two, 2,000 years ago, 100 A.D., people lost their jobs because they followed Jesus Christ. If you fail to learn from history, what are you bound to do? Thank you. Revelation chapter 2, the charge to the church in Smyrna. Do not fear any of these things. Christian Union Grove Baptist Church, those watching tonight on live stream, do not fear any of these things. Same advice he gave to those that were in extreme tribulation, extreme poverty, lost their jobs for their faith, were being pushed around, beat up, persecuted. He said, don't fear these things which you are about to suffer. He wasn't pulling any punches. He says, you are about to suffer this to the church. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. But be faithful unto death. Whoa, 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 now we're crossing the line here. 
God said, what? Well, you, you just stand for God and, you know, we'll go our merry way. And God says, wait a minute. Um, he didn't say be faithful kind of half in and half out. What, I mean, he, he ups the ante here big time. Be faithful unto, what's the next word? Death. Does that get your attention? Gets mine. Now you say, Brother Rich, are, are you looking to be a martyr for the faith? Absolutely not. I'm not looking to be a martyr. One of my favorite preachers of old time used to say, he says, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really in the mood to jump in front of a speeding bullet to prove a point. I don't really want to die for my faith, if you will. But what does God ask us to do? And I trust him. I know we pray. Folks, this is why we need the old-fashioned word called revival in America today. And he says, listen, I want you to be faithful unto death. And I will give you the what? He says, I got the crown. You may die for my faith, but what am I going to give you in return for it? I can give you a crown of life. Now, folks, I, I am being as transparent and honest as I possibly can. I have literal no desire to put my head on a chopping block. I have no desire to stand in front of a bullet. But God says, listen, Rich, you better be willing to do it. I'm like, okay. I, I, you, you need to think about that? I do. It's like, okay. Is it going to come to that? God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, <laughs> pray, I'll hear you. I say, Lord, can you go the one step further and stop America from going, going downhill? Would you please preserve our... I got kids sitting in this room right now. I don't want them to go through that. Do you? Of course not. Lord, would you please help us to do right? Would you please save America? Would you please help us out here, Lord? We need it. You know what my only hope is? The rapture. You know what happens at the rapture? That boy right there, his wife right there, my wife sitting behind him. Absent from the body, bam, present with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Matthew 10.28 says, Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear them. Easy, easier said than done, right? God says, listen, do you know why you need to walk with God? I don't know that we're going to get through this, but I, gotta, I have to share this. I've seen this, and I and I was uh, spoke with a, a dear, dear lady who is a wonderful Christian, and she's a hospice nurse, and has done it for years. And I'm like, oh, boy, that's got to be so difficult because you're constantly dealing with people whose life is literally coming to an end. I mean, it's it's done. It's, and I said, you know, it's it's got. How do you remove the emotion from? It? It's like you don't always. Sometimes you get. The person passes away and you run out to the car and you, you cry for a while and you, you let the emotions come out and it hurts and it's painful at times and, you know, we're all human. And it's not fun. But God says, listen, if we're walking with the Lord Jesus and she said, listen, here's the difference between somebody who knows Christ and somebody who doesn't know Christ on the moment that they're being taken home. So I've watched people pass away, die, that are not comforted. There's no comfort for them. There's nothing I can say that will help them. It's a horrible thing. They're fearing death. It's a horrible time for them. They, they can't stop it. They know they can't stop it, and they don't die very pleasantly. But then she kind of smiled and said, but then there's those that have trusted Jesus, and they know the time's coming. And they're very comfortable with the concept of going home to see the Lord. And I'm like, that's, that's good. I've watched it on my father. I've watched it on my mom. Literally saw my mom pass on. You ready to go? My dad leaned over my mom. 
in the hospital room and, and said, are you ready to go home? She couldn't talk. She hadn't made a whole lot of other facial expressions. All of a sudden, she got a big smile on her face. And I'm like, I'm crying. I'm bawling my eyes out. I know Mama's going home. And it's like, don't leave me, Mama. And she got a smile and passed away the next few moments peacefully with a smile on her face. Folks, do you fear death? You say, well, I'm not in any hurry. I'm not either. But folks, when we know Jesus Christ, when we know the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're walking with God, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and if that day like this comes, and I pray it doesn't, but if a day like that comes, you know God will give you the grace, as he's done to so many others before us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He's saying, listen, we just read it from Revelation 21, verse 8. What is the second death? It's the lake of fire. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in Christ, don't fear the second death, which is hell, if you will, because you know Christ. What about the church at Pergamos? And to the angel of the church of Pergamos, right? Let's look very quickly again in Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey. And he says, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name. That's a good thing. You did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Here is another urban center where Satan's throne is. Satan basically, and this isn't, I mean, again, what God says he means. During the first century, Pergamos was such a rotten, corrupt awful, ungodly place that Satan literally sets up camp in Pergamos. Why? Because we have multiple false temples there. The altar to Zeus in Pergamos was one of the most beautiful things according to the history books that existed. You had horrible pagan temples there and Satan said, yeah, this is my place. This is my home. This is where I'm camping out. A horrible place. How would you like to live in that situation? And he said, but church, <laughs> you've held fast. You live in a pagan area. You live in uh, around folks that could care less about you. You live among uh, uh, folks and people that worship other false gods. And he says, but, but you've held my name. You, you went to work. You went to school. And you said, I, I believe in Jesus. He said, you held up my name. You didn't, you didn't compromise. Philippians chapter 2 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and given him the name of, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Everybody should do it, but a handful do. When will everybody confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? We talked about it this morning. When will everybody realize this? The white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, believe verses 11 to 15. You see, every single person right now has a, has a choice to make, receive or reject Jesus Christ. And God says there's coming a day when every single knee will do what all I trust every single person in this room has already done, that you've given your heart and life to Jesus if you will, you've bowed the knee to him and given your life to him. If you're hearing me tonight, whether it's on the internet or in this room tonight, if you've never trusted Jesus and you say, I can't do that, I, I, can't, I can't change my life like that, I can't put all my eggs in one basket of Jesus Christ, I can't buy into that. And God says, well, you will. You will. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But folks, if you don't do it while you're alive on this earth, it's too late. No second chances. The condemnation to Pergamos, but I have a few things against you. Hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also do those things, which uh, basically that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Basically he's saying, not to get into all the details tonight, if you don't follow God's laws, if you will, his principles, his word and you give yourself over to individuals like Balaam who basically tried to do everything he could to trick God's people into doing 
wrong. I am not going for that. I can't endorse that, God says. What's the charge? Repent. That's simple. Folks, we're talking about Union Grove Baptist Church tonight. What is the state of Union Grove Baptist Church? I think it's a good report card tonight. And God says, listen, you need to stand firm. You can't move to the left, can't move to the right. You stay firm, you stay centered. You stay 20-20 focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. What else does he say? Commendation or condemnation. Are we consistent for the Lord or are we going to compromise? (laughs) I've been around a few blocks in the Christian circles. I've sat in churches where the word compromise was preached on almost every single week. Don't you be a compromiser. I've had that drilled into me. I don't use the word very often, but it's a good word. It's a bad outcome, but it's a good word. Can't compromise. Folks, if somebody tells you something and they give you a partial truth, and you figure out a partial truth. Are you happy about that? Please say no. (laughs) A partial truth is no truth at all. It's compromise. Can't compromise on God's word. Now, there are certain things when you're negotiating and you're going through deals and you got to compromise on certain things, negotiate certain things, but when it comes to God's word, there is no compromise. Very quickly, and we'll be done. Thyatira, the church, the messenger, if you will, the church in Thyatira, right. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. God's saying, good job, church. Again, you have done great things. I'm, a, I'm impressed. Uh-oh, here comes out the bad red pen. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, we're not talking about the Jezebel back in Kings, but an equally corrupt individual who calls herself a prophetess, in other words, another false teacher, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. Whoa, wait a minute. We're talking about the church of Thyatira. And in walks this individual known as Jezebel, and seduces the men in the church to commit sexual immorality. Well, that wicked, rotten Jezebel. Okay, hang on a minute. Whose fault is that? Is it Jezebel's? Partially. Who else's fault is it? (laughs) Who? Thank you. Thank you. The men. The men. I'm pausing because I'm thinking for a moment what I should say right now. My Valerie saying no. (laughs) So don't go there. And I'm not going to go to the specific, but men. Just because Jezebel shows up, does that mean it's okay? Is it? Come on, it's all right. (laughs) Of course not. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to what? But God is faithful. I don't care who walks in that building. I don't care what they're dressed like. I don't care if it's on the street, at the workplace, at school, on the streets. Well, got my eyeballs going. Well, shut your eyes. I can't. It's right in front of me. And turn around. You know how many mar- You know what? what? The top 12 things that cause divorces, and I'll be speaking on all 12 of those over the next 12 weeks in Sunday school. Lack of commitment and infidelity causes more divorces in Christian and secular homes. It's one of the top two home records. Infidelity. 
but she was so pretty and she was so nice and she... God says, no. No! Don't do it. But there's no but. I had a lady talk to me and she said, you know, it seems like it's always the lady's fault. It's not always the lady's fault. By the way, does it take two to tango? Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit. He's, he's being very blunt here. These are things I don't even like to say in a public setting. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did what? Nah, not doing it. What does God say? Now, to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I will put on you no other burden. Hold fast what you have till I come. I say, oh, Lord, the temptations are off the charts. Do you understand it's 2021, and anything that possibly is wicked is two seconds away on my phone? It's a half a second away on my computer. I can go anywhere at any time, see anything possible, the most sordid things that man has dug up. Do you understand how we have to live today? Yeah, I get, I get it. I've been there. I, I understand. I'm alive. I see what's going on. And you say, I don't know how I'm supposed to overcome this. Starting in September, we're starting a new ministry here. It's called a recovery ministry, something I've wanted for the past year, but we just haven't had the right people to put it together yet. I had an individual come to my office, uh, I believe a couple weeks ago, and said, you know, have you ever thought about a recovery ministry? And I said, yeah, only for the last year. He said, well, what's a recovery ministry? Well, it has multiple aspects to it. Those that are dealing with drug issues, those that are de dealing with alcohol issues, those that are dealing with such things as addiction like we just read about here, intimacy addictions. And I've gotten the books, I've, I've been reading through them, and we'll be starting this up in a few months because folks, not only, folks, we got, we, there's so many people that are struggling with these things in and out of the church. And by the way, it's one of the best ways in the world to reach unsaved folks in our community. So we're going to do it. And I've got an individual, and I'm not going to announce his name right now, but uh, we'll be working together on this very, very important issue because, folks, there is no temptation, and there's so many people that are falling prey to these things. Smyrna, the synagogue of Satan. Pergamos, where Satan's throne is, where Satan dwells. Thyatira, where the depths of Satan are. Do you see a common bond here, folks? Who wants to destroy the church? Absolutely. Satan wants to destroy the church. And we say, not on our watch. <laughs> not on our watch, please, Lord. You see, I can slam my fist down and I can say, not going to happen here. I forbid it. And God looks down and says, oh, really? <laughs> Since when do you think you're big enough to take on Satan himself? And I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and God says, well, if my people will get on their face and pray and ask for uh, God to do what only he can do. And, and then uh, God will see the prayers of his people. And if he determines in 2021 or 2022 that he's going to have mercy upon this earth and mercy upon God's people and preserve us for another generation. First week or not maybe the first week, first month or so we put a big tent up outside. We had a 24-hour prayer meeting and asked God to bless this church. And God's been blessing, folks. Last time we had a little prayer meeting for about six hours. We had some folks show up. Justin, I think it's time to put the tabernacle back up. <laughs> it's sitting out in the garage. I think it's time to pull that puppy out and put it to work.
And I think it's time that God's people once again said, listen, we don't want to lose what God has given to us. We don't want it to go any worse than it's already gone. We don't want our country to go any worse than it's already gone. We're asking God to please allow us the freedom that we've had for my entire lifetime. Please, Lord, don't take it away. Don't take this church away. Don't take our opportunities away. Please, Lord, would you help us out? The dying church very quickly, Sardis, I know your works that you have a name, a reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. What's he saying? Oh, you, you, you look like you're doing the right stuff. The community looks at you and they say, yeah, go church, uh, good church. And God says, no, you're not. He says, you're spiritually dead. Oh, man. F on the report card once again. What's a dead church? It's one that does everything the wrong way like we've been going through. Therefore, if you will not watch, what does he say? I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. What's he saying? I'm going to shut the church down if you don't do right. I'll turn it into some liberal mess. I'll take it away from God's people. <sighs> you have few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled, stained, corrupted their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. May that be us. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Finally, the church of Philadelphia. <laughs> I want to be the church of Philadelphia. Why? Because they got all these on the report card. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, what does he say? Again, same place as all the rest. He says, I know your works, church. I know your works, Union Grove Baptist Church. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it. For you have a little strength. You've kept my word. You have not denied my dame. Church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, the church that God's love is building. <laughs> Doers of the word. They openly share God's word. They're persevered under persecution. God said, I love this church. I love what you're doing. I love that you love people. Folks, do we love people here at Union Road Baptist Church? Please say the right word. Yes, yes thank you. <laughs> I'll say amen to that one. Folks, we've got to love folks. We've got to love people. We've got to reach this community. Folks, here's, let me give you a little bit. Here's your next anniversary little uh, uh, thought for the day. We've done great the first year. I believe God's pleased. But here's my heart. We've had to deal with all these things with the COVID. You can't go here, can't go there, can't say this, can't say that, can't go. And I said, you know what's going to change? Absolutely transform Union Grove Baptist Church and move it up to the next level. It's like, Brother Rich, you know what you got to do? And you say, what's that? What do you got to do? What's the preacher got to do? I need to get out of this building. And I need to get to every single one of the open doors of these businesses, talk to every single business owner. I need to get out and talk to every single person whose home is lining the streets of this church. We need to get into the apartment complexes. We need to get into the homes. You say, well, how are we going to do that? We're going to pray and ask God to open some doors. That's how we're going to do it. And we're going to say, dear God, please lead us to the right people. Please lead us to the folks whose hearts are ready to come to Christ. Folks, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to ask you to join me, those of you who are willing. Maybe it's in the place you live. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's the person where, where you shop. And God says, I know your works. <laughs> Nobody can shut it. You, you've not denied my name. How do you not deny his name? By using it. I love Jesus. Here's why. You say, man, that's tough. That's hard. Folks, that will transform this church. When we really move out in a mighty way to tell folks about Jesus Christ, when we make it a priority, you know how full this place was Sunday, this morning? A pretty good crowd, right? And by the way, for Sunday night, a pretty good crowd. But you say, well, Brother Rich, if we got a pretty good crowd now, where are you going to put them? Well, glad you asked you ever hear going to two services did you ever hear that folks we had maybe I don't know how many we had here 200 and some people this morning do you know what the maximum number on our big day we've had one big day here 
One. Do you know how many people we had in this building? 400 and I believe 20 people were in this auditorium. It's almost double what we had today. We squished in. So you can fit 400 people in here. You're like, well, we got some work to do. I agree. I'm with you. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Folks, it's all about folks. It's not about the numbers. Numbers are people. That's the only reason I talk about numbers, to motivate us. It's like, wow, God can do this. Indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I'll make them come and worship before your feet, and I know that I have loved you. What's he again saying? Beware of deception. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Folks, Jesus Christ can come at any moment and take us out of here. Amen? That's the easy answer. I would be very happy with the easy answer tonight. Just take us out of here, Lord. We're ready. I'm ready to go home. Are you? But if Jesus decides to tarry a while, what will you do with Jesus today? You see, just where you see the word Jesus on the cross, that's where he went for every single one of us here tonight. Jesus went to the cross so that we might have eternal life. Jesus went to the cross so that we could figure out how to persevere through this world because only Jesus is the answer. There is no other answer. There is no other way. It is an exclusive answer. You say, Christianity, it's so exclusive. You're all about, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody can come unto the Father but by me. And we say that. I know that seems harsh, but there is no other way. It's only Jesus. Have you ever trusted him as your personal Savior? We'll close with this as we always do. Four simple things God says. And by the way, Christian, aren't you glad we say these four things every single service? You see, there are unsafe folks here today that never heard the gospel before. Wouldn't have been a tragedy if we would have close the service and not giving them the gospel and allowed them to walk out of here without knowing the truth. Wouldn't that be? That, that's a tragedy, folks. To walk into a Christian church and not hear the gospel. To have a visitor come that you may bring that never heard the gospel before. And the pastor says, well, I'm going to talk about everything with the gospel today. That's a tragedy. So folks, as we always say, and there's, there's folks that may be here tonight. There's folks maybe watching tonight. We always like to give what we call the gospel message. What is the gospel? It's the way that you can know 100% for sure if you died, you go to heaven. That's the gospel. You say, well, what's the gospel? The gospel's so very simple. Most children understand it. Number one, we've all done wrong. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 10. And because we've sinned, if we got what we deserved, every single one of us would have to pay for our sins in an awful place that nobody even wants to talk about called hell, the internal lake of fire, Revelation 21.8. But Jesus, but Jesus comes down from heaven, goes to the cross after some 33 years of living on this earth. His blood is shed. His life is willingly given. It wasn't taken. He gave his life to pay for all of our sins. And Jesus said it's because I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You say, okay, what do I need to do? One thing, believe. You say, don't you have to work and do things and try and please God so he'll find favor upon you? Listen to me. The Bible answer is no. You cannot do one thing to earn heaven. It's only through the precious blood of Jesus shed on that cross is the only thing. And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Have you ever accepted the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, would you do it today? I beg you to do it. You may not have it tomorrow, 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Union Grove Baptist Church. Thank you for the dear folks that are here on a Sunday night and those watching. And Father, there may be one, maybe two, maybe many more that have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And I pray this last moment as we close the service that they'd say yes to Jesus. If that's you tonight, are you ready to trust Jesus? Are you ready to accept his free gift of eternal life? You say, Brother Rich, I thought I had to work it. I've been trying so hard and I failed. And I've and I, I just been wondering how in the world can somebody know for sure that they, when they die, they go to heaven. And God says it's a free gift, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any person should boast. Would you accept that free gift right now? Would you please do it? Bow your head right where you are if you're watching tonight. Stop your car and pull it over. Turn off the TV if you're hearing it in the background. And it's time right now to say yes to Jesus Christ. Would you do it? Would you give your life to him and accept his free gift? You say, Brother Rich, I'm ready. Would you tell him in your own words something like this? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But at this very moment, I'm asking Jesus to come to my life to forgive me for my sins. I'm receiving your free gift of eternal life because I believe that Jesus Christ paid the entire debt for me. Thank you for saving me and promising to take me to heaven when I die. Father, help us as Christians to fight the good fight. Help those that may have just come to Jesus to walk with you. And all God's people said, Amen.